So I thought we'd start today with an odd sort of trivia question. We'll see who can get the uh, correct answer. What do Dick Clark, John Davidson, Bill Cullen, Donnie Osmond, and Michael Strahan have in common? I know it's a pretty diverse group. Any thoughts about what they may have in common? Well, it's understandable if you don't, if you don't get it. This uh, spans about uh, 45 years of television. All of them at one time or another hosted what has now become known as the $100,000 Pyramid. Very successful, very popular show that I'm sure many, have you, many of you have seen over the years. So I thought real briefly this morning we would start our message by playing that game. But instead of doing so with words, I'm going to do so with symbols, and you kind of tell me what the category is. I won't put any time limit on you, but I will show you a few things and see if you can figure out what the category is. So we're going to start, uh, let's see, let's start with a pair of uh, smelly socks. Uh, got some tennis shoes that have been maybe overused. A, uh, a bag of garbage, getting closer. Oh, and you didn't even need the, uh, the final one. This guy right here, okay? You got it. Things that stink. A few weeks ago, our dog Buster got me up early on a Saturday morning for a bio break. And uh, as I opened the front door at about 5.30 a.m., of course, it's, it's light that time of day, this time of year. And this guy is waddling up the walk without a care in the world, making a beeline for our front door. And I thought, Buster, you're going to have to wait. No matter how urgent it is, you're going to have to wait because this guy takes precedence, right? So he waddled up, looked around, did what he needed to do, I guess, headed in the other direction, and that was the last we saw of him. And then finally, I was able to give Buster that break that he needed. There are, of course, a lot of things in this world that stink. Unpleasant odors leave a lasting impression. Oftentimes you never forget that one odor that you smelled in a particular setting. In fact, some of them are so strong that we never totally get them out of our mind. Many years ago in my role as sports information director at the College of Worcester, I was getting ready to drive to Oberlin for a volleyball tournament. One of our students who worked in the office asked if he could come along. And uh, I don't know if he was more interested in the volleyball or the girls who played on the team. But whatever the case may have been. I said, sure, come on along. So I said, we'll meet in the office at 8.30. We'll head up to Oberlin. We'll cover the, the events of the day. And then we'll head, head back home. But almost from the instant he arrived, I detected a rather unpleasant odor. Now, I realize that many college students allow a gap between showers. I know that that's just kind of the way it goes and kind of that free and easy type of life. But I thought, you know, we're going to a tournament. You know, you can do better than that, right? So we got in the car, and the odor only escalated. By the time we got halfway there, I could barely breathe. So unpleasant was the odor. So I opened my window, and I shut down the conversation. In retrospect, I guess I wasn't very nice. But come on, take a shower. Is it that hard? We're leaving campus, okay? Long story short, we covered the tournament, and by the time we made it home, the odor had dissipated somewhat, thank the Lord. 
So that night, after I got home, after a long day, I thought I, I, thought I sensed the odor again. It must have been that lasting impression that it made on me. But I was ready to relax, and as I started to take off my shoe, I noticed something on the bottom of my shoe. I had obviously stepped in something earlier that day and didn't realize it. I was the source of the smell. I stunk. Didn't realize it, wanted to blame somebody else, but I was the source of this odor. Embarrassed and ashamed, took my shoes off and washed them off, washed the bottoms off at the outdoor faucet. But the lesson from that encounter some 35 years ago has never really faded, much like the odor itself. When something stinks, it stinks for a long time. Some people go through life thinking that others stink, and they don't. Some people are inclined to look down their nose and judge others, but Jesus was very clear and direct when he said this, and I know you've heard this many times, don't judge so you won't be judged. You'll receive the same judgment that you give. In other words, what goes around comes around. Whatever you deal out will be dealt back to you. Then he offers this very powerful and quite familiar illustration when he says, why do you see the splinter, that tiny little splinter, in your brother's or sister's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? Sort of like when you step in something but blame the source of the odor on someone else. Now let's be clear about one thing. We do judge, right? We have to evaluate in life. It's part of what we do. It's part of who we are. It's part of life, whether we're choosing from a pool of prospective uh, employees or even just as uh, simple as choosing people for a pickup basketball game. We're making judgments. We're, we're making evaluations. But what Jesus is saying here is that we should not judge others without judging ourselves. So if I happen to be the captain of the basketball team, and I want to get the best people on my team, I have to realize that I'm not very good either. So uh, in that case, I really need do, to do to pick the best people I can possibly get. But above all else, we should not condemn one another because Christ did not condemn us, even though he certainly had a legitimate case for doing so. The bottom line is this, and it's very clear. Don't comment on the splinter in the eye of another until you remove the log from your own eye. Further insight about judgment comes to us from the book of Romans. When we judge others, we're actually condemning ourselves because it is quite likely that we are guilty of the same sin or transgression. Now, I've long since lost contact with the young man that I took up to Oberlin that day, and if I called him today and finally got round to my apology, I doubt he would remember what I was even talking about. But on the other hand, maybe he would, because quite obviously he smelled the same smell and perhaps wondered the same thing about me, but didn't say a word. I was really set in my place that day. So those who claim to be disciples of Christ, and that's what we claim to be, right? 
We, 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 we don't do so arrogantly, but we, we believe that we're disciples and that we wish to follow him. But we don't want to be called that H word, hypocrites, for judging others when we fail to see our own shortcomings. Ultimately, we are condemning ourselves, not to mention embarrassing and even humiliating who we are. So what do we make of all this? Well, in this world, we are, as I mentioned, required to render judgments from time to time. Perhaps, as I said, better stated as evaluations. But we also have an advocate in the process. We know that God's judgment agrees with the truth. And his judgment is against those who do these kinds of things. We know this, that God's perfect plan will prevail. We do not and should not judge others in a harsh or hypocritical manner. And by the way, if we do this, if we follow God's instruction in this regard, there are many short and long-term benefits. Number one, we can lift the burden of judgment from our shoulders. Isn't it difficult when we sometimes have to go to someone and tell them something or, or share something unpleasant that they might be doing? And, and sometimes there is a place for that, obviously. But when we serve God, we allow him to be the final judge, the complete and total judge. We also avoid the duplicity that comes with pretending that others stink and that we don't. And we position ourselves in a way that is really pretty genuine and sincere, although certainly not perfect when we come before him. So when we approach another with an issue, and it's difficult, I'm not very good at this, but when there is an issue out there, we should come to the other person acknowledging, I'm certainly not perfect, I've got flaws, but here's something that I think it would be helpful for you to know. That's a kind and caring and compassionate way to deal these issues, which, by the way, is what I believe the kind of church that we are. Kind, caring, compassionate, and non-judgmental. Do we really think and believe that we are going to escape God's judgment? Should we not be thankful for all that God has done for us and appear to be ungrateful, much less show contempt for the riches of his generosity, his tolerance, and his patience? And finally, there's this. Do we not realize that God's kindness is supposed to lead us to a change of heart and even a change in our life? That's really what it's all about. When I realized what was on the bottom of my shoe, I was devastated. How dare I think that someone else stinks and I don't? It was a humbling moment, but also in some ways a life-changing moment because I realized how imperfect, how flawed I am. How dare I judge someone else, especially when I am the source of the stench. Many years ago, Greyhound Bus Lines had a very clever and memorable jingle in their commercials. Some of you, I'm sure, remember it. Go Greyhound and leave the driving to us. That catchphrase can serve us well even to this very day because we are instructed to go God's way 
and leave the judgment to him. It's faster, it's cheaper, and so much more effective. In fact, it's even the holy way of doing things. So let us understand that all have fallen short of the glory of God. And instead of pointing fingers, because that always causes division, you're responsible. It's your fault, not mine. I'm not guilty of anything. It's you that's causing the problem. That leads us nowhere, only to further conflict and further division. So we need to come to the table together, acknowledging our faults. Hey, I'm not perfect. Sure, you're not perfect. But we serve the same God. So let's get together. Let's rally around his word. Let's rally around his commandments and do what he asks us to do. And oh, by the way, let's not, let's not waste our time judging one another. Yes, occasionally we must evaluate. But let us understand that we are all flawed, but all beautiful creatures in God's sight. Let us extend our hands today at this very moment to promote unity. True, we all stink from time to time. I learned that lesson the hard way. But when we confess our sins, seek forgiveness, and pledge to forgive others, God intercedes. We are part of a holy unity with him. And our elusive quest for peace and harmony, we hope, may one day have a chance to come to pass. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, how often we must smell badly in your presence because we seek to do things our way instead of your way. We often come across as hypocritical and arrogant, but we know that we can not only change, but we can also be transformed through our simple yet noble obedience to your word. And so we ask today that you soften our hearts and soothe our soul so that through our submission to you, our fragrance will change and be holy and pleasing in your presence. This we pray with hopeful expectation. Amen.